0: So speaking of changes, I, I so want to be a woman that wanted to be here for stretching and walking. I don't. I don't. But I want to be her, so I might write that. I might write that on my goals for this year. I might. All right. I was thinking about it this morning. I was driving down Inverness Park, we got this little, we got this little track on the side, and I thought, I want to be one of those couples that like walks together in the morning and then they go to Starbucks and they have coffee together. Isn't that cool? know what we do. But I just, I just think that sounds so great. And so maybe. All right. Um, important. You have, on the, in your packets, you have an um, index card. The index card is for questions. We're going to do a Q&A session when we come back. So that means, though, that I need to have your questions by the end of this session because I'm going to be going through them to decide what to do on the next session. Um, And I'd really appreciate it if you would give me some questions because if you don't, then I have to question myself and then answer myself. And it's kind of like a dog playing catch back and forth. Please, please um, give me some questions and I'm not going to open the floor. Um, Because I did that, I don't know if you remember this, but I did that, um, at surely it had to be at Ingram's suggestion, the last time I did your retreat. You don't do an open mic after lunch, that's not what you do. I did, um, and I'm not going to do that again, so give me some questions, and I'm going to gather them up after this session. So, um, just to recap, last night we talked about what we do when we don't really like what we're doing. And when we see areas in our lives that need changing, and we looked at how God responded to Adam and Eve's failure in Genesis 3, we tend to look at Genesis 3 more through the lens of the fall, more through the lens of what Adam and Eve did, but truthfully, that account is more about what God did in response to what Adam and Eve did. His response to our fallenness, Adam and Eve, they hid in their shame. And God pursued them with two penetrating questions. Number one, where are you? Because their fallen behavior was not what God went after. He went after their hearts, which is where their fallen behavior was derived from. We can't experience restoration ourselves unless we are willing to go into that same place. Um, God knew that they were seeking to make life work apart from him, and that's what he went after. And so he also... Created, They created fig leaf garments. So just imagine how well that worked. And God, seeing that, creates for them, from an animal sacrifice, the first animal sacrifice, he created for them garments that would hold. Foreshadowing of Christ, of course. But you see right there that picture? Right there that picture of covering the shame of Adam and Eve. See, that's a picture for you and I now. Our shame is covered. Because our shame is covered, you can afford to do this work. You can afford it because your shame is covered. Two, he said, who told you that? Because he knew that the behavior of Adam and Eve, it wasn't coming from lack of knowledge, was it? It was coming from listening to a false narrative about who God was. And then basically out of who God was, what then the, they needed to do. See what they're doing right there. They were forming a theology. Um, it's the same with us. Again, you are probably a theologically well-trained group. But remember that your theology is not only your knowledge about God. It is that also combined with the experience that you have had of life and a broken world, and those things are meshed together, forming a theology, either a correct one or an incorrect one. But what I'm trying to say is, is it's not just about your knowledge. It's also about what you've experienced that can impede, if you will, the gospel from being able to penetrate. And so that's why it's important for us to look deeper because you came up with narratives, ways to survive in a world as a kid that you really weren't equipped for. And so you came up with narratives, ways to do it, and that worked then. But was it an adaptive strategy then is now an, a maladaptive strategy if we're still living out of it as an adult. And remember that, protector part of your brain. She can keep us locked in those old patterns and we've got to become aware of it. We have to become aware of our hearts. And here's the good news awareness is a skill it is not a gift it's a skill and that's what we're going to talk about today because you've got to develop heart awareness in order to change am i like really loud it seems like i'm really loud no okay how do you develop heart awareness for years i used to begin counseling sessions by saying um how are you and my clients always would answer in the same way they would describe what was going on outside of them the events that had occurred before they came, like, you know, well, not so great. I totally blew up on my spouse the other day. And then we would go into explanation of more of that event, of what had occurred, rather than how they responded to that event. And doesn't the same thing happen in small groups? Like we talk about uh, this occurs, so please pray for me. I need to talk to her about it. Or please pray that God would change the circumstance. I'm not saying that this is wrong. But I am going to say that this is short-sighted because what we really want to know is not just the event, not just the circumstance. What we want to know is what is Jesus doing? How is he pursuing your heart in the midst of that circumstance, not just the circumstance alone? Same thing happens in those conversations that we have. You know, when you, you say something to a friend like, I know I shouldn't have said what I said. He just flew out of my mouth and, and uh, before I knew what was going on. And i um, Well, she's not speaking to me anymore. What's your friend likely to say back? Some kind of an explanation, offer solutions to do it differently. Why? Why why do we feel the need to do that? I'm going to say part of the reason we feel the need to do that is a good thing. If somebody's bleeding, we want to grab a Band-Aid. Please, please don't be ashamed of that. Don't do it. But don't be ashamed of the fact that you want to do it because you want to provide relief but it doesn't work. Those solutions offered quickly, it doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because she doesn't know what the problem is because you don't even know what the problem is. You need a safe space to explore, to process. So Fast Solutions cuts that whole thing down. We've got to look again and provide a space in our heads, and between us and other people that invites process and exploration. Why? Because Luke 6.45, the mouth speaks, not the mouse, the (laughs) mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So do do you want to change? Do you want to understand why you and others do what you do? You've got to look at the driver's. But let's be honest, looking into the heart, it is not easy. It involves two elements. Number one, safety. Remember that our brains are highly reactive to danger and they're constantly scanning to protect us from any physical harm or emotional harm that we've experienced in the past. And it's now getting alerted to that something in the present is reminding it to the past. Have you ever noticed that around certain people, somebody asks about a certain situation? You describe it one way to friend A. You describe that exact same circumstance very differently to friend B. Now, mind you, you didn't sit there and think, now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say that to her because she can't handle it. I'm going to speak freely to her. You don't do that, right? It's unconscious. Why? Because the protector is telling you, somehow, person A, not safe. And without even thinking about it, you're editing what you're saying. Person B, the protector feels is safe, calms, and you're able to speak. Again, I want you to see, this is an unconscious process. That's when you know that's the protector working for you. If you detect disapproval or judgment, you shut down now here's the problem you know the loudest most disapproving voice that you hear it's the one in your head and that voice it is amazing that voice the one in your head that's the one more than any other voice that has the power to shut awareness down imagine if you hired a math tutor for your child child had been working with the math tutor for a while Kids' grades were not improving. In fact, they were getting worse. You didn't understand what was going on until one day you happened to overhear the tutor talking to your child. The child apparently had just messed up a problem, and the tutor said, are you serious? Do you know how many times we've gone over that exact same thing? Again and again and again, you're not paying attention. Do it again, and this time pay attention and do what I told you to do. right? What are the chances that your child is going to be able to work that problem? Two, slim to zip. (laughs) Because you see what's happening is that child's brain upon hearing that voice detects danger, detects exposure. What does the brain tell the heart to do? Shut down. The brain is actually filled with chemicals that make it to where, remember, that executive functioning, gone. All you're doing now is working off of the survival skills of fight, flight, freeze. So that child is literally locked up. His brain is incapacitated. He is incapable of doing the problem. Now, here's the scary thing. The voice in our head, it does the same thing to us. When we speak to it like that tutor spoke to that child, our brain does the exact same thing. Detects danger, shuts down. I was working with a woman once, and she was in a very complex relationship. um, It caused her a great amount of pain. But as she described what was going on, she started every single sentence with something like this. I know this is so silly. Or, I'm a grown woman, why does this still bother me? Or, the number one phrase I get in the counseling room is this. I know you deal with problems so much worse than this one. I don't even know why I'm taking up your time. They practically grab their purse and leave. I hear that all the time. Why couldn't she go deeper? Because every single time she spoke, she was shutting herself down. So I couldn't reach her because she kept shutting down. Why? Because remember that protector part of her brain wouldn't let her. She was detecting danger with me. She was frightened of disapproval. So just like that math student... She shut it down because she was being directed by that protector. Got her out of danger. How? By sending her to shutdown mode through shaming words. But she was saying to me, the shaming words would get her into shutdown mode. And that actually is what the protector was seeking to do. So the way that we speak to ourselves, do you realize, has the exact same internal internal impact as if someone else were saying those same words to us. The protector, in trying to keep us safe, can literally become our worst enemy. The problem is, you can't fire the protector because she's your brain. So instead, you've got to retrain her. And you can. That's a little bit more of what we're going to talk about today. Because she has to be trained to create safety so that you can think clearly. She, the protector, has got to calm down. Henry Nowen says, you have to trust that there is another place where we can be safe, your heart held together with truth. From this place, you can feel, think, and act truthfully. When we have become so accustomed to hearing that harsh voice in our heads, we don't even bec- we're not even aware of it. But it's blocking heart awareness nonetheless. And see there, it was blocking my ability to be able to connect with my client. She needed some help at that point to quiet the protector. So the process that I went through with her is one that you can do with yourself. Um, <clears throat> first of all, she needed to become aware of what she was saying to herself. <clears throat> and me, by the way. <clears throat> because again, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, but it not that make any difference. I don't know what this is. I don't know. It's being 63. I didn't do that before. Oh, okay, I was gonna like put it on the sacred, but that's probably not okay. <clears throat> did do you, your brain ever do this? Like, I thought I was sitting there and I thought about putting it up here, and then I literally did this thing in my brain where the water tipped over and it got all into the keys. <laughs> that's the kind of way my brain works when I'm sitting there. I'm not praying, I'm thinking up some weird scenarios that could possibly happen. <laughs> oh and this is the one talking to you. Okay. All right, so, again, uh, she needed to become aware of the way she was shutting herself down. Because you can't change what you're not aware of. So, let me ask you, are there not times when you say to yourself something like this, that is so terrible, I cannot believe I could even think such a thing, I am really sick. Or, why am I still feeling like this? What is the matter with me? Why can I not move on? What is the impact of those thoughts on your ability or your willingness to look deeper. Condemnation, like that. Condemnation kills curiosity. Well, curiosity is what we need for growth. However, we can only afford to be curious when we're safe. So what we've got to do is create a space, if you will, in our heads, similar to the space that I seek to create in my office of safety, so that you can literally process so that brain can calm down because when she calms down she can think more clearly so we've got to keep her calm down so I asked my client I said do you notice that each time you start a sentence you you tend to start it with something like that's silly just just observing it and she said Well, yeah, you know, because for heaven's sakes. I mean, am I, and then she did it again. And I said, oh, okay. Um, See, what she was doing right there is shaming her feelings because she was attempting to get rid of her feelings by shaming them. Okay? That doesn't work. And you do it all the time. And all that's going to do, that shame, all that's going to do is shove those feelings down. And then you're going to put some kind of a good theology patch on top of it. And when those feelings get shoved down, just let, me, let me just tell you, as a counselor, it's going to take a whole lot more work to get them back up again. So, we don't want to do that. We don't want to put those feelings into hiding by shame. Now, when somebody says something to you like, oh, I know this is so silly. What is your first, what's your first impulse? It's to correct them. No, it is not silly at all. Right? I was, um, I was in a meeting recently, and, and like this is why nobody wants to be in meetings with me, because they're going to end up, you know, well, I'm talking to two other people about them, but anyway, just don't, don't tell them I said this. <clears throat> I was in a meeting recently where one person was describing guilt and anguish over, over a horrible loss that they had experienced, but quite frankly, they had nothing to do with it. But they were experiencing, expressing guilt. And that somehow triggered this man. And that was not okay. And very quickly, this man began to correct this woman in a loving way. No, this had nothing to do with you. Right? Like she hadn't thought of that before, y'all. She had. She knew that. And I wanted to go, shh, please, 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 let her get all this wrong thinking. Please let her get it out. Before you start correcting her, even from a good place, she was shutting down. Because here's the thing. Uh, That is a very well-embedded narrative in her brain. And she trusts that narrative and that voice much more than she trusted the voice of that man that was speaking to her. And it would be the same way in the counseling room. So that's why I didn't say to the client, oh, no, 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 no. Because to be honest, she doesn't trust me yet. And she does trust that protector. So um, instead, I just nodded. Because, you know, it doesn't matter what she said is quote wrong I've been there I've heard that voice I get that and so when I nod you see just nodding I'm not saying you're right I'm saying I get it when you're talking to someone and you perceive from them that they get it what do you do you start calming if you talk to someone and they combat you Even with good words, what do you do? Increase in anxiety. The thoughts increase, they don't decrease, they increase. So what I needed to do was just validate her. Validation is I hear you, not I agree with you, I hear you. And all it was for me was silence and a nod that invites and says, yeah, come closer. Come closer. It's safe here. Because she, her brain, needed validation to feel safe in order to be corrected, but rather than corrected, and she could not do the work until we did that. It's the same thing in your brain. Validation. So then I moved on and I asked her, hey, so tell me, what happens when you hear yourself call yourself silly? What, what happens in you? Does it make it easier for you to talk with me or does it make it harder?" And she admitted, yeah, it it did shut her down. Okay, now, now she's open to trying something different. Okay, I said, let's do this. How about, could you just hold off, just hold off for a bit on evaluating anything? Let's just kinda, you and me are sitting here at a table and I just want you to dump everything out. I just want you to dump everything out. We're not gonna figure it out later, I promise. We're going to evaluate it later, but for now, let's just, let's just dump it out uh, so we can get a clearer understanding of what's really going on in you. Because right now, that, that constant evaluation, that was getting her stuck in a loop. I think this, but I shouldn't think this. But I do, but I know better. Now I'm thinking again. What's the matter with me? Loop, 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 loop. See, that had to be broken. So let's not correct what you're saying just yet. Suspend that for right now. Shh, protect her so we can keep going. Once we can quiet that voice, our our brain begins to calm and that helps that executive functioning come back online, which is what we need to be able to process. It gets safer and it calms. Does that make sense? Then we can start understanding a little bit more about why we do what we do. Step two of awareness. I know you get a little tired of hearing this, but we go deeper by reading the... Come on. Indicator lights. We're, you're acting like that's a surprise. Come on now. You all just go, oh, I'll get the... Indi-. Oh, come on. It's on my tubes, stone. Come on. You know. Um, once you've created a space, a place of curiosity, you can attune to those indicator lights about what needs to be attended to. Listen, we might be completely unaware of our indicator lights going off. Oh, but they are. Um, but we can learn to do life without paying any attention to them. And that's dangerous. Um, this is Acts 28.7. seven. It talks about that kind of incongruence. Listen to this. For the hearts of these people have become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their heart and return to me and I would heal them. Paul is describing here a way of living that is disconnected from your heart to not pay any attention to those indicator lights that are going off. But for healing to take place we have to have the courage and the intentionality to use what God has given to us to allow us to understand ourselves Better And show our way back to our hearts and to him. And that's our indicator lights. Remember what they are? Feeling, which is both emotion and physical feeling. And then thoughts. All right? So let's practice this now. Um, You've got in your packet, you've got some blank paper. I'm going to tell you up front that you're not going to share with anybody. All right? Now what I want you to do, please is I want you to think of a, of a time, big time, small time, five years ago, this morning. Think of a time when you well, totally blew it in some way. When you had one of those, I don't know what came over me, she's not speaking to me anymore. Thanks. Okay? Think of one of those times. You got it? I'm moving on anyway. Okay. All right. So that's your behavior. Now remember, we're going to work backwards. Behavior comes from what? Feelings. What do feelings come from? Thoughts. About what? The event. Event, think, feel, behave. So we're working backwards right now. So we just saw how you behaved. So I want you to work backwards. To what? Number one, your feelings. First off, what were you feeling physically? And I know this is really, really hard because... So even as you're playing the videotape, maybe just surmise what you were feeling physically. Where do you tend to hold emotion? Tight chest? Clouded, foggy head? Fast breathing? Um, Physical awareness might be really, really hard. It tends to be with indicator lights. Emotions, thinking, physical feeling. We tend to be strong in one and weak in the others. Like physical is extremely difficult for me. When people say, where do you hold that? I, I, I do not understand what they're talking about. That's very, very hard for me. And so I'm having to learn that. I tend to be very, very strong on thinking. My thinking is very, very loud. Others are very strong on emotion. Doesn't matter. But there's three. And we need to increase our strength in all three of them. So physical awareness... Um, we really rarely pay attention to our bodies unless there's something wrong, like physical pain. But again, that's a skill. It's just learned by practice. For example, I hear this all the time from clients. As soon as I see her number come up on the phone, I do that. I, I just tighten up. Yeah. Oh, see, some of you are going... Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Peter Schizero says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which by the way is a great book, God may be screaming at you through your physical body while we look for and prefer a more spiritual signal. The reality is that our bodies know our feelings before we do. So pay attention. What's the physical feeling? (coughs) Second, what emotion are you experiencing? What emotion are you experiencing? Now, you have a chart in your notebook. talks that it's just got feelings on it. Generic feelings, broader, are the bold ones. You start with the bold, and then you go down to the more specific. (laughs) Now, let me just tell you up front. I think feelings charts are so much that counselor garbage. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for heaven's sakes. Um, when, when, when people f- pull those out in small groups, I just roll my eyes until it gets to me. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm feeling. And I have to grab the stupid chart. <sighs> Listen, all I can say is this. It is incredibly important to be emotionally articulate. It is incredibly important to teach your children to be emotionally articulate. Because do you know the difference, like for example, like here. People say to me all the time, I feel guilty, I feel guilty, I feel guilty. But it happens to be about something that they could not have prevented. So I'll often ask, well, is guilt what you're really feeling there or regret? Do you see the difference? That's a big difference. That's why, Honing in on what particular feeling it is, is really, really helpful to you. So which one is most accurate? So you're going to go look at the bold ones and work down, all right? So if you would, write down one or two feelings, just one or two. (coughs) Try to be as specific as possible. Now what I'd like you to do is draw an arrow. You've got your physical feelings, you've got your emotions. Now what I want you to do is draw an arrow from these two things down to your thinking. Why am I having you do that? Draw that arrow because for me, um, my brain works best when I can see things. So it helps me draw the arrow because I'm teaching my brain right there. I'm teaching my brain that these things, these feelings, come from my thinking. And I have to teach my brain that. Because I always believe that these feelings come from the event. They don't. They came from the way that I'm thinking about the event. But that's really hard for me to get. So that's why I draw the arrow. And now tell me, what are some of the thoughts that were running around in your head? Usually it's one, two, max. And write that down. Thoughts that were playing in your mind which resulted in those feelings. Where did those feelings come from? (laughs) Remembering that emotions do not come from what happens to us, but from our thoughts about what happened. And that is the way that we write narratives. Now, let me share my own example. do you ever have, sometimes I just noticed one day that I just had a, a mood sick. It just kind of came on me. I don't know, like a headache. Uh, out of nowhere. And I, I didn't know what the problem was. But suddenly, I just found myself feeling sad. Indicator light number one. Um, I don't know. My body just kind of felt heavy. Indicate light, indicator light number two, physical feelings. My well, what was that about? And then I remembered, well, I had just come, this is the event, I had just come from my friend's house and she had shown me how she had turned her, her lot, living room into kind of like a little nursery. She had all these cool little toys, etc. because her granddaughters came over once a week and this was their little room that they played in. Okay, so that was the event. My thinking was, my grandchildren live across the nation. And I will never have the kind of relationship with my grandchildren that this woman has with hers. Now, if you did my class Six Weeks to Same Thinking, you know that what I just did is an example of unprovable thinking that needs to be changed. But not yet. That's the one thing I wish I could go back and change about that class. Not yet. Because remember, evaluation of your thoughts at this point causes your brain to Shut down. So similar to when you're talking to a friend and she expresses disapproval of what you've told her, you're going to stop getting everything out. And that does not eliminate the thought. It just causes it to go down deep into your subconscious where it's going to continue to direct your feelings and your actions just as powerfully. So your thoughts have to be brought to light and processed, but that's only going to happen, you see, again, when your brain feels safe enough to process evaluating them too quickly shuts them down. So for now, see, I just want you to write as freely as possible. You write down what's wrong. Now, what we just did is we just went behavior, feeling, thinking, event. And that's usually the way I have to do it. I usually start with the behavior that I don't like and work backwards to how I got there or Uh, I'm saying behavior that I don't like. Maybe in that case, it was emotion, sadness, that I didn't understand where it came from. That was, if you will, the, quote, behavior, the external, the thing that was on top. And so I just worked back down. Now, when you work back down, look at what you did right there. When you work back down from behavior to feeling to thinking, don't you see how much, do you see right there how much sense your behavior makes? It makes complete sense. I didn't say it was right, but I said it's completely congruent. You're not crazy. See, you look at that, and you understand in the context of what's driving your behavior, oh, that makes sense. You see what just happened? I just went, oh, right? I love it when my clients move from how could a Christian do such a thing to, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. Notice she is not saying, that's right. She says, oh, Uh, oh, okay, I get that. Great, now we're cooking with grease. I've got her brain with me. Do you understand? Okay, now, listen, if we can do that, if we can keep our brains open and we can go, okay, I get it. See, now we're ready to go back and evaluate now we're ready maybe to go back and repent we're not always going to repent because like what i just discussed before i don't think that's something that i need to repent of but there's plenty of times when you're going to do this thing and you're going to see oh there are places that i need to repent and doing it in this way is going to help you do that more effectively because again you can't repent well unless you're safe to look deep at what the drivers are because that's what you need to repent of. Does that make sense? So understanding your behavior helps you repent better. I'm trying to do that because I, I know you guys are scared because I'm a counselor and and I know that you know counselors they don't they don't talk about repentance they just talk about feelings but I'm saying if you don't allow yourself to do that you're not going to end up with effective repentance because we're not going deep enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I'm basically having a counseling session with you right now. Would you give me something? Give me something. Give me a nod. All right. So now that we understand where our behavior comes from, that protector part of our brain, which is running off of old or false narratives, how do we begin to understand those and potentially change those narratives? So let me first define what I mean by narrative. This is what your brain is telling you this truth, based upon the experiences that you've had. It's what your brain is telling you truth is, based upon the experiences that you've had. A narrative might be very different from your theological position. But it is what it is, and that's what that brain is working off of. That's what that protector is working off of. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, One narrative might be, stay quiet. Make sure that everyone else is good so peace can be guaranteed. That that would be a logical narrative to come out of the context from maybe being raised in a chaotic home with a very depressed or angry parent. Could easily come up with a narrative like that, right? Right? Alright, how about this one? Silence, this is the opposite. Silence or not talking freely is very, very dangerous. We have to get everything out. We have to get it out now, and we have to get it out loud. Make sure that you know what everybody else is thinking and feeling because that's the way to stay safe. All right? where might that have come from? That might have come from a betrayal that you didn't see coming. That could have happened in your childhood. It also could have happened six months ago. Make sense? How about this one? What you don't hope for can't hurt you. That can come from being in a home where you hurt it a lot or from a significant or a frequent disappointment. And last, God has favorites, and I am not one of them. Now that comes from a lot of comparison to others, just a habit of doing that and finding yourself lacking and figuring it must be your fault. Now by the way, that last one right there, that's the one that I was working off of when I was talking about my grandchildren, right? Because everybody else gets to have their grandchildren with me, them. I don't, woe is me, I did something wrong. And I go back and forth. I'm mad at God, I'm mad at me. I'm mad at God, I'm mad at me. And here's the thing, I can't fix that. More on that later. All right, so again, the problem with narratives is that though they are directing us, we are often very unaware of them, especially if they don't match with the truth that you know and that you have been taught as an adult. That makes it really hard. So, as I've said so much during our time together, you can't change what you don't know, and 85 to 90% of change comes from awareness. Once you've got awareness, it's a downhill slide. Now, um... We can also discover narratives by working through what we call our story, which is not our testimony. Our testimony is an aspect of our story, but our story is all of life. Um, I have my clients at some point tell me their story and you've got a template um, that I give to them. And it has a bunch of little boxes. Telling your story can be a little overwhelming, um, so I, I like to give I like to give clients some kind of an outline. Um, start there at the beginning. You See where it says family of origin. All I'm looking for there is just just write some bullet points of information about the your family. Now, like if you and I were sitting down and you had a photo album, and I said, "Hey, so tell me about your family." You know, you're going to tell me all kinds of stuff. You're going to tell me good. You're going to tell me bad. You're going to tell me that you were the middle child. You're going to tell me that your your mom was an artist and your dad was traveled a whole bunch and all that kind of stuff. What was it like growing up in your house? And just we're just doing bullet points, but you will notice that there are some bullet points that I have there uh, that I want to make sure get included. How did you heal, handle conflict? What were you told, taught about emotions? But that is not the only thing. That's just an aspect. Six, ten bullet points about growing up. What was it like in your home? Hey, tell me about that. Now, mind you, don't be thinking, i got to write the deep, dark, bad. Not necessarily. That's not your full story. So don't put on the lens of, Positive. Don't put on the lens of negative. Put on the lens of real. It was both, right? Um, you know, you'll notice that after they write the bullet points, the next question is, what was the message from your home? What was the message that you picked up from your home? For example, it's good to be resourceful God expects much to those He has given much. That could be a potential message that you've gotten from your home. Another message, you are what you do. Do well. Now, here's where people start getting really squirrely. And I want to assure you of this. What we're doing right here, we are not looking to blame anyone. I'll tell you, here is my assumption. My assumption is that your parents did the best they could with what they had. That is my assumption. And your parents are not my client. So I'm not going to go into why they did what they did because that's not the point. That is not the point. If you try to get into that, then you're going to feel bad. I get this a lot. I feel like I'm not being loyal. Okay? It's okay. We're not saying anything about it. I'm not talking about what they intended to do to you. As a matter of fact, I'm assuming they didn't intend to do that to you. But here's the deal. If you get shot by a bullet when someone's self-defending, or you get shot by a bullet if someone's directly pointing at you, the bullet has the exact same impact. And that's all we care about. We're not looking at your parents. We're looking at impact. Another problem I get right here. Women especially... They have tremendous difficulty doing this exercise because they keep thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm doing that to my child. And they lose themselves. They lose themselves. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 pull it back, pull it back. We're not talking about your child. Please stay here with me. Stay here with me. We're talking about you. But it is amazing how much I have to fight with that. Amazing. I know that's going to happen. It's okay. Just gently bring yourself back. No, 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 no. Talking about myself here. And here's the thing. If I deal with myself, I promise you, they're going to benefit. I promise you. Okay? So pull it in. Deal with yourself. We're not talking about what you're doing to your children. We're talking about your story. So you'll notice, um, then too below that. If that was the message, then what was the strategy that I developed because of that message, right? If we are a can-do family and high performance is very, very valued, that's the message, right? Strategy could be um, I work really, really hard, I'm highly resourceful, and I don't ask anyone for anything because that's weakness. I'm a can-do girl, does that make sense? Now, I also want you to know that a lot of the ways that you do strategies I don't want to completely demonize them because I want to say your strategies are always coming from the way that God uniquely gifted you. Some women are phenomenally resourceful, and it's beautiful. That is part of the way that they represent their creator to their world. That is not all bad. But here's what happens. The enemy always goes after your gifting. He always goes after your gifting to distort it so that you begin to use your gifting to make life work apart from God. That's what the prodigal did. Give me the gifts so that I can make my life work apart from you. I'm resourceful. Well, I'm not. Women are resourceful. Do you see how that good gift can become distorted? And I, my resourcefulness now is a way that I stay away from meeting Jesus. Does that make sense? So we're not demonizing because generally your strategy, the core of it is usually your unique gifting. And that's beautiful. And I want you to hold on to them. I want you to fight the enemy because that's what he's going to go after every time. Because that's what threatens him. Okay. So, um, after the family of origin, you'll notice that the story continues. Now, this is more of a timeline. And this is the part where we discover our narratives as well as the strategies. Um, and I usually will take it—you know—take it by school age. Take it by however you want to do. And you'll notice that in each thing, it's always the same thing. Significant events, people? What was the message? What was the strategy? All right? As an example. Let's go back to the man that I told you about last night. See, he would have written that down, although he didn't. He told me a story, but this wasn't in his story, because remember, he didn't remember this until we were talking later. But anyway, um, he would have had maybe... In one of his early years, he would have had seventh grade. My teacher told me to stand up in front of the class. and She told me that she knew all about me and that she wouldn't put up with me. That was the event. So that's one of those bullets. The message that he got, I'm a troublemaker and everyone knows it. The strategy that he developed, interestingly, was to become a troublemaker. Now, he also... This is probably even more common, is to actually do the reverse. The strategy becomes, I will perform high because I am going to prove that 7th grade teacher wrong. I'm now 58, but I'm going to prove that 7th grade teacher wrong. So that could have gone either way. But what I just want you to see is how we take those events, we decide the message, and we act accordingly. Our narrative directs our behavior. Our narrative then is worked out by our strategy. So, um, I want you to take <laughs> this is kind of funny I want you to take like uh, five minutes to do this. Um, th- not the whole thing. Could you just choose one could you just choose one, one segment? Anything come to your mind? significant event, anything about your family, whatever. And just work that through. Now, I want to be really, really respectful. Um, We're on really dangerous ground here. I feel, I felt like I needed to do this with y'all because if you're anything like me, you know you're not going to do this when you go home. Come on. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to practice this at the same time. I am pretty um, concerned Um, I do not want you to open something up that you don't feel prepared to deal with right now. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, If you don't feel comfortable, what I want you to do right now is just write the alphabet down. Nobody will know that you're not really in deep prayer and working through your work. But I want to be very respectful to you that this might be a difficult exercise. By the way, I forgot to say this. It also could be a very positive thing. In eighth grade, I was a mediocre student in eighth grade. My friend told me, I said, how do you make good grades? She, just, she said, well, I just learned the material. I understand that might sound, but that was new to me. <laughs> and so I started doing it. And I started, the next time I got an A, I can still see it in my mind. I can still see an A written on the top of my paper in red pen. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness, event. Friend told me, I did it, it worked. Message, maybe I'm not a mediocre student. Maybe I can do this. Strategy, well I have to say, <laughs> I kind of went right into that one. And I became a pretty stellar student, but, um, and it was probably a pretty big part of my identity. Um, but that right there is an example of something positive. So it doesn't have to be negative. So just take a couple of minutes right now, if you would. Take anything that just might come to your mind. Or if you want, you can just do your family, but your family takes an awful long time. You could do your family just by, read, just by answering those questions in family of origin, those two, three questions I have. You could just do those. Yeah, just do that. Do whatever you want to do. Or write the alphabet. I'm really sorry, <clears throat> um, but if you want to get out of here on time, um, I'm just not going to leave you enough time. You just started, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to move on. Um, but you know what you're doing. Um, if you don't, you can come see me. Promise it was an infomercial. No, just kidding. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this with my, I already did it with my client, right, his event, et cetera and um here's the thing when you've got a narrative the way you're going to know that a narrative is just coming up is by those indicator lights they're going to let you know we're back here we're back here and the narrative starts playing okay so when we were in session my client and i he he every time i would push into new identity in christ he would become very very agitated because his protector was saying don't listen to that don't listen to that that doesn't match Um, so all I want you to do is when you notice that happening start getting like that acknowledge acknowledge you get what's going on this makes me super uncomfortable Ah, this is attached to that narrative thing I know what's going on here Um, so what I want you to do is number one, validate. Okay, I hear what's going on. This, this kind of thing makes me really uncomfortable. There's a phrase called name it to tame it. As you name and articulate your emotions, it's unbelievable what happens um, of how you're able to ramp down just by naming it, okay? So you're gonna say, oh, okay. I see what's going on. This kind of thing totally makes me crazy. I don't like this. That makes me really uncomfortable. Validate. Number two, pull from the past into the present. This makes me super uncomfortable, but I'm pulling into the present. Right now, I have the choice to what? What do you want to do? I don't have to live out of that anymore. Right now, what I most deeply want to do is not hide from him. I want to love him well. Remember where I got that from? My deepest desires. Okay? Or it might be something like this. This makes me really, really frightened. Pull into the present. What do I know right now? Generic um, narrative. He's in this. And he's in me. Okay? Generic narrative. What I'm doing right there is teaching you When you are jacked up from the narrative, you recognize what's going on because you're seeing those indicator lights letting you know it's happening, it's happening. And before you go off into reactive mode, you're gonna try your best to stay right here by validating, okay, I know what's going on, I know what's going on. Two, but now I'm here, now I'm here, if you will. It's a bit of a way of reparenting yourself. Reparenting yourself. Actually, more than anything, bonds of attachment that were broken and harmed are healed by attaching to our Savior. That's the way attachment wounds are healed, is we acknowledge them and we allow God to speak to them. We're honest about them. So we begin speaking truth to ourselves. I'll talk about more about that next. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to be writing it during the break, but you understand what I'm saying right there? Okay? You're frightened or angry. Okay? Indicator lights just went off. What are you going to do? You're going to validate it? I know where this is coming from. This has brought up some feelings in my past, but I'm not there now. but I'm not alone anymore. I don't have to make this work. Okay? This is just a variety of things, statements that I'm trying to use to get you grounded into the present moment, pull you from the past, get you grounded into the present. Okay? So, we're going to take a break now and remember that uh, theoretically we might be doing Q&A um, next. I don't know if we will or not, and the reason is because I got to get us back on schedule. So, write down your questions, and uh, anyway. Oh, you're welcome.